This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I invite you to join me in the ninth chapter of Acts today. Acts chapter 9. As we continue a series we've been in for some time now. Looking at the book of Acts, gospel power, global impact. What was the power? It was the power of the Holy Spirit that came to indwell every believer at Pentecost. And every page of the book of Acts references him. Nothing that is happening in this narrative, this account of the early church, was because of man's strength and wisdom. It was not by any of that, but by the power of God. I want to begin with this question this morning. Have you ever considered that when the Lord saved you, he already had a complete plan in place on how he intended to use you? For those of you that are in the military, you can look back if you decide to make that a lifelong career, and you can see the various places where you've been called to serve, all those different orders that brought you to different places, and, uh, and many times varied uh, tasks. And you can look back and think, wow, that, that was a, uh, a full career, hopefully it was a fulfilling career. But you can be tempted to look back and think, well, I worked hard here and I did this training and I tested to this level and so uh, that's, that's my career. Well, a Christian understands, no, that was really the plan of God for you as well if you were being led by him, desiring to be led by him. But for a soldier of the cross, at the very moment the Lord saves you, he gifts you, gives you spiritual gifts, and he already has called you to fulfill a specific mission for the rest of your days here. God's not making it up as he goes, and you shouldn't look at your life that way. He has a specific plan. He already knew who would disciple you who you would witness to and then disciple. The very places where he would have you serve, he already knew that, he's already got a plan. I love reading about preachers and missionaries who are mightily used of the Lord. But I have to remind myself, and you can check out of our library, missionary biographies, you can get online and read these accounts of preachers and missionaries, other servants of the Lord. But as you read their stories, what you're reading is simply the fulfillment of the master blueprint, or we could say it this way, the master's blueprint that was already in place. Is that your perspective of your Christian life? It's not random. Sometimes it can feel uh, like your vessel is being blown around, but it's not random. God knows if you are yielded to him, you're going to stay the course, you're going to fulfill that plan. And by the way, God is also great. If you get off course, he can get you back on course. All right? 
He's never done with us. He didn't quit on us. So today we'll see that this was exactly the case with the Apostle Paul when as yet he was still Saul. And it's also true of each of us. You need to see yourself and those God wants you to disciple in this light and then pray this, Lord, fulfill your master discipleship plan. As I come alongside, and then whatever new believer, that person you lead to the Lord, or perhaps it's someone, uh, it's a person that someone else led to the Lord, or maybe they read a track, or maybe they read the scriptures, and God brought them to salvation, and now God has you there to disciple them. And again, I want to emphasize this is God's plan for each of us. You say, well, I'm just too busy right now. Exactly right. You are too busy right now. If you don't have time to come alongside and disciple uh, others, you're too busy. You have busied yourself with things that are outside of the scope of the Great Commission and why God saved you. So let's look this morning at discipleship's master plan. And I don't think that's any more uh, clearly seen than in the life of Saul Uh, who was the Apostle Paul. The last time we were in the book of Acts, we were in chapter 9, and we heard the personal testimony of how Saul was converted on the road to Damascus. Remember that morning? I, I hope you remember the message. What I remember about that morning is nine folks were baptized that day who had come to Christ. And to get us ready for that, uh, we looked at Paul's testimony, Saul's testimony about how he was converted. Now we're going to see the initial discipleship that Saul received that set him on course to be a powerful witness of the gospel. It didn't just happen, folks. Any more than me standing here just happen. I can look back. In fact, it's part of what I do in the mornings when I worship the Lord. I reflect back and give thanks on all those who impacted my life. I am here because God used others to impact me using this book. Before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he told the disciples, and this is Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go ye therefore and teach all nations, make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe how many things? All things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Remember an old preacher And I heard him say this at different times when he'd come to my home church and preach. He would quote Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and he'd say, Now, if you haven't done so already, write in the margin of your Bible, main marching orders. And he'd pause. He'd want you to write that in your Bible. Main marching orders. This is what we're called to do. Now, this very pattern will be followed as the Lord directs a special discipler to come alongside the new Christian, Saul of Tarsus, to help him become a useful servant of Jesus Christ. This is 
This is what God has ordained. This is what he expects to happen, not just in the church staff, in each of our lives. And so the disciples or discipleship's master plan. This plan begins in the text with the Lord's vision. In chapter 9, would you look down at verse 10? This is the Lord's vision, and in this case, his vision for Saul. Verse 10, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Now we're going to see shortly why the Lord calls on Ananias. There's a few reasons why. Verse 11, And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas. We really don't know much about this man, except that he also is used of the Lord. He takes in Saul. Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prays. Now I want to stop right there. Have you ever had one of those times where you know the Lord uh, wants to use you and so your heart attitude is, here am I, Lord. And the Lord says, wonderful. See over there? That's your destination. Over there? That was one of these moments for Ananias. He's got a heart. He wants to serve the Lord. And then the Lord mentions this fella, Saul of Tarsus, and that's when, he tap, that's when Ananias taps the brakes. Really? But the Lord says, go to him. He prays. Now understand that where I stopped the reading in verse 11, that this is causal. In other words, the Lord is responding to Saul's prayer, and that's why he has called on Ananias. God speaks to him in response to Saul's praying. What is Saul praying about? Well, he's praying for the vision to be fulfilled that he has seen. And now the Lord tells Ananias what that vision was. What was it that Saul saw? Verse 12, he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Again, now we start seeing the providence of God. Say, wait a minute, Ananias hasn't volunteered yet. But the vision already had Ananias in it going into Saul so that he can receive his sight. Now what do you think was happening in Ananias' mind when the Lord tells him this in, the, in a vision to him? okay, Lord, you already know I'm going to do this. But I, I need some more explanation. Okay, It wasn't that he was unwilling. He just needed to know what he was walking into. Sometimes God will show that to you. Sometimes he'll make you wait. But regardless, you and I should always have the attitude, Lord, if you're calling, I'm going. God will not come to you in a vision telling you who he has recently saved and who you should disciple, but he will come to you and speak. 
He speaks to your heart. He speaks through his word because he already has a plan in place for that fellow believer who will many times often be a babe in Christ. It might even be that you meet somebody at church and it just seems like, you know, we just hit it off. Well, maybe God has knit your hearts because God intends for you to disciple that person. Or, as I had the experience recently, God may have you go visit that person, lead to them to the Lord, and disciple them. But any time that there's a meeting like that, you meet somebody uh, that needs the Lord, you lead them to the Lord, all right, God just allowed you to have a spiritual baby. Time to feed them. Or God brings you alongside somebody who has been saved, And God wants to use you then to take the word of God, get them grounded, feed them, help them to grow until they get to that point where God's going to lead them to the next phase in their journey, the, the plan that he already has for them. So let me just challenge you with this statement. It'll be on the screen. See new disciples in the light of the plan of God, in light of the plan God has for them and what he can accomplish through them. I'm so thankful that God doesn't see me for what I am right now. He sees the big picture of what he's going to do with me through his grace where he can take me. By the way, we need to see each other in the household of faith the same way. All right, God's not done with any of us, amen? He's not done. And we need to see others in light of what God can help them to become. Now, why did God choose Ananias? Well, in the Lord's vision of those who will disciple others, he uses, we're going to see two characteristics here. First, God uses devout men and women. God uses disciples who are devout. God chose Ananias because he walked with the Lord. I'm actually in the outline using the very word that's in the text. When Paul shares his testimony later before the riotous crowd in Jerusalem, and and you'll probably see this cross-reference in your Bible or you can write it in there, Acts 22 is Paul speaking to a crowd they wanted to kill him and he asked the the centurion if if he can speak to them and everybody settles down and he begins to preach a message but it's really his personal testimony and in that testimony acts 22 verse 12 he says that ananias he's reflecting back on this man he says he was a devout man according to the law having a good report of all the jews which dwelt there Now, what does devout mean? It's a Greek word used four times in the New Testament. It literally means this, okay? It means to adore well. If you are devoted to your spouse, you adore them well, him or her, okay? That's what the word means. So when it came to the law, according to the law, 
helps us understand that he was devoted to his God and the law of his God. In other words, we could also say it this way, Ananias was a godly man. When it came to what God said, who God was, he was completely committed to his Lord. Now, as a godly man, Paul also uh, uh, bore record uh, to this about Ananias. Not only was he godly, uh, again, Acts 22, verse 12, he also had a good report of all the Jews that dwelt there. And, and speaking of those in Damascus. All right, so his testimony, and again, it goes along with the fact that he was, he was devoted to God, to his law. Uh, the Bible tells us when our ways please the Lord, he makes even our enemies to be at peace with us. Uh, Christians should be the best neighbors, uh, have good relationships even with unsafe folks. Why? Because we re represent and we reflect the Lord to them. And now this man stands ready to do whatever God commands. Verse 10, Behold, I am here, Lord. So Acts 22 helps us understand this man, who he was internally, which is why he responded to the Lord the way he did, which is why I would suggest that the Lord went to Ananias. There were other believers in Damascus, but he picked Ananias. Why? He's devout. He loves the Lord. But when Ananias finds out what the Lord wants him to do, again, he taps the brakes, verse 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the high chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Lord, this guy's trouble. You want me to go to him? Now, there was an obvious network of informants that were spreading news to the saints about threats to the church. Damascus was a week-long journey from Jerusalem. But there were informants, there were those in the church that were watching what was happening. They were keeping an eye. Somebody was keeping an eye on Saul. When he got authority, got papers from the chief priest to go to Damascus, there was already somebody way out ahead of him. Got to Damascus, warned the church, including Ananias. They knew what was coming. So Ananias knew why Saul had come. He was under the high priest's authority, but now, this is great, Ananias finds out Though Saul came with authority from the high priest in Jerusalem, he finds out that now he has heaven's high priest's authority to serve him. How did that happen? Well, the Lord himself had apprehended and saved Saul of Tarsus. And now Saul has been given authority to do something far greater. Instead of being... At that point, the greatest enemy of the church, now he becomes the Lord's greatest emissary. Verse 15, but the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel to me 
to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now, stop. If you take that verse, verse 15, that is really an outline of Saul, who will become Paul. It's an outline of his life. God wasn't predicting. God already knew what Saul, Paul, was going to do. This was God's plan for him. This was his calling. And by the way, God in this instance chooses to tell Ananias, who's going to be Saul's discipler, all right, here's my plan for him. And I'm going to use you to help get him on that course. Verse 16, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I wish we had time to elaborate on verse 16, but here's literally what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to find in, in the coming weeks that after this time that Saul, Paul, is discipled in Damascus, uh, he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be introduced to the other apostles there. But then the Lord's going to put him on the backside of the desert. What? Yeah. He's going to send him to Arabia, and Paul is going to have personal classes with the Lord himself. And in all of this, even with this vision that Ananias has shown, that the Lord has already shown to Paul, this plan is laid out. Some of you are thinking, well, I wish the Lord would show me my plan. Well, he knows what's best regarding that. If he showed all of us our plan that he has for us, we'd find a bunker somewhere. And we wouldn't leave. So he knows what is best. And by the way, different parts of that plan, uh, he will grow us to be equal to the challenge. And so he knows but right now, God is working in each of our lives to fulfill that plan. Here's the important thing to note. The plan's in place, and so are those that God intends to come alongside believers to help disciple them and encourage them to take the next step for him. All of us are part of that plan. Again, I'll, I'll say, say, well, I'm, I'm just... Uh, you don't understand, Pastor, my schedule's too full. I'll agree with you. Your schedule is too full. When the Lord saved you, he called you. Those of you that are in the military, or military try, try using this on your CO. Well, here's what I need you to do. You don't understand. My kids got karate lessons. Excuse me? Try, try that on your boss. No, don't. Don't try that even on your spouse, though some of you do. Okay? So, so we, look, we know what we need to do, and, and, and we make time for it. Why is it that the God of heaven, well, Lord, I, I'll get around to that. That's why we need to study, again, discipleship's master plan. Here it is. How many of you are thankful for the life of the Apostle Paul? 
please raise your hand. Why? Because without Paul, there'd be a chunk of our Bible missing. Say, well, I'm, I'm thankful for, for the New Testament. Yeah, but, but Paul got there because of people like Ananias who said, here am I, Lord. Okay. Now, there's another part of this, though, that is, is striking to me. God uses disciplers who are devout. But this other point comes from the text. Notice God uses disciples because he is gracious. Because he is gracious. God wanted to use Saul just as he was about to use Ananias. Ananias is the Old Testament name Hananiah. It means, listen, God is gracious. Saul had gone from a prayer on others to a prayer to God. Now the Lord Jesus has, was going to send one of his devout disciples to come alongside Saul and help him become a devoted disciple, fit for the master's use. That is grace. You know what's amazing to me? That Christians can enjoy the grace of God bringing others alongside them to help them get grounded and to understand truth. But when it comes to the Lord wanting to tap them on the shoulder and say, you come along someone and help them. Well, no, I'm not gifted. I'm not comfortable. And, And those excuses that we throw up. But God allowed someone to disciple you. Why won't you let God use you to disciple somebody else? It's him that's going to do the work through you anyway. What happens in Acts 9 isn't about who is worthy, who is gifted. It's about the fact that God is gracious and devout people respond to grace. So this was God's vision, his plan for Saul. When the Lord saves someone, A detailed life's plan is already in place, and in his grace, he uses devoted disciples to teach and encourage a new believer to follow God's plan. Now, this brings us to our final point this morning. The disciplers, I'm sorry, the second point, the disciplers' mission. Verse 17, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, and what are the next two words? Brother Saul. There wasn't, are you Saul? There wasn't, hello, is anybody here? He walks right in, puts his hand on this former persecutor and says, Brother Saul. Now, what, what's included in those two words? Everything God just said about you, I believe it. You're my brother. Not, are you Saul? Uh, tell me your testimony. I want to be sure about this. Okay. So this indicates 
Ananias fully believed all the Savior told him. He goes on, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith immediately. Now let me just pause here. Something else happened. Understand this. He puts his hand at Brother Saul. He continues to speak. The scales fall off his eyes, and at the same time he receives physical sight, the Holy Spirit enters him and their spiritual sight. Now, already Saul was saved, but understand in this, in what, what God was doing was God showing him, uh, and this was a special uh, time where there are others that are going to be, you know, the apostles are going to lay hands on, folks are going to receive the Holy Spirit. That doesn't happen today. As soon as a person's saved today, they receive the Spirit of God. But this is the miracle that was happening in Saul's life, and he arose and was baptized. Now please understand, and this is where I'm going to need you to listen carefully. This was Dr. Luke's testimony from Paul. And so Dr. Luke is writing, and I believe it was directly from Paul, but Paul's own testimony before the crowd in Jerusalem fills in more of the pieces. Remember Acts 22? There, Paul says, Ananias came unto me and stood, Acts twenty-two thirteen, and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. And I love comparing these accounts. So, Brother Saul, the Lord, the scales fall off of his eyes, and the first person he sees is this discipler. Verse 14, Acts 22, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen me, or chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one. Now you heard me say, and I just I want to point this out. You heard me say when we shared Saul's testimony, what happened on the road to Damascus, that he saw the Lord. Say, are you sure about that? It's right here. He saw the just one. Before God made him blind, the last person he saw, because God wanted him to meditate on who he had seen, was Jesus himself. That just went and should us hear the voice of his mouth. Verse 15, For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. So Saul, who will be Paul the Apostle, one born out of due season. Remember, Paul said that. I wasn't like the other apostles. But the, one of the requirements for an apostle was that they had to see the Lord. Some have questioned, well, did, did Paul really see the Oh, yeah, he saw the Lord. I believe that for the rest of his life, he had eye trouble physically. He had seen the Lord in his glory. But this is interesting in verse 16, Acts 22. And now why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized. So again, Acts 9 says that he arose and was baptized. 
But we see in Acts 22, he was baptized because of the admonition of Ananias, who, by the way, is being a good discipler. Teach him all things and baptize him. What's he doing with Saul? Get baptized. But let me be more specific because as you read on in Acts 22, this is going to ruffle some feathers. What do you mean? Be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, every Christian here knows, I hope, baptism doesn't wash away sin. So what was Ananias saying? Okay, well, let me explain this. In the King James Version, other translations, they have this verse read, be baptized. Be baptized is in the passive voice, someone doing this to Saul, someone baptizing Saul, okay? But if you look at the Greek language, it's actually in the middle voice. Now listen carefully, I'm not trying to be technical, but in the middle voice, Ananias was really saying to Saul, get yourself baptized. You need to get yourself baptized for this important reason. People need to see your public testimony that you've already been saved and washed from your sins. Now let that sink in. Saul had already been cleansed by the blood of Christ. But like Ananias, okay, we've, we hear stories. Something happened on the road to Damascus. This Saul now is praying. What really happened? Well, here's the testimony of what really happened. Ananias is saying, Saul, you need to get out there and get baptized. Now, obviously, someone would baptize him. All right, but the point is, you need to make the decision so that everyone can see that public testimony that you have been saved and you have been cleansed from your sins. That's what the text is doing. If you ever have somebody from a denomination that believes baptism saves you, they're going to try to take you to this verse, and you, you need to be ready. Okay? So what happened here? When the scales fell off Saul's eyes, he looked up at Ananias, and Ananias immediately said to him, Get baptized as a public testimony. You've believed on Jesus to wash away your sin. And then Saul was baptized. Again, that's what the text is doing. I must also point out that Saul had already received the Holy Spirit before he was baptized. Okay? You don't get baptized to receive the Holy Spirit. The text makes that clear as well. But don't miss the main point. If you have other questions, we can talk about it later. I, I've, I've tried to explain it as clearly as I can. Okay? It's not by works of righteousness, which we do, but according to his mercy, he saves us. For by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If anyone in my hearing this morning thinks I'm on my way to heaven because I was baptized, you're mistaken. The only way you're saved is to admit to God you're a sinner and accept his invitation, receive him. Lord, 
please be my Savior. I'm putting my trust completely in what you did on the cross and the fact you rose from the grave. That saves. Say, so I'm not so sure. Well, there was a thief on the cross next to Jesus. He got saved, but I can guarantee he never got baptized. All right? The Lord wants to save you. And he can save you whether you ever get in a baptistry pool. But here's the main point. Ananias made it clear to Saul what steps of obedience he needed to take as a follower of Jesus Christ. This was Ananias' mission as a discipler. Telling Saul, teaching Saul to follow what the Lord had commanded and helping direct Saul on the course that God had for his life. Then Ananias helped with two other important aspects of discipleship. Watch closely, verse 19. I'm back in chapter 9 now. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Saul has been, had been through quite an ordeal. So what does he do? What does Ananias do? He helps meet his physical needs. This guy needs to eat something. So he helps him. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples uh, which were at Damascus. What is that? That's the fellowship that is needed with other believers. So he feeds Saul. He makes sure that he has something to eat. By the way, you're going to lead folks to the Lord, and, and immediately there are going to be physical needs many times. Help them with those physical needs. Share those needs with the church. Let us come alongside uh, to help and encourage. Uh, I'll, I'll just share this as a side note. I don't know how many times, and I don't want to scare anybody away from the cross, okay? God's going to take, if he can save you, he can meet your physical needs. But I, I'll tell you, in the years that I, as I've been discipling people, I don't know how many folks have gotten saved and lost their job. And all I know is Satan's taken a swing, Okay? And so we just encourage him, God's, God's got this. He's going to take care of you. And, and, and so we come in and we help with that. But then there are also fellowship needs. As you're discipling somebody, help them get uh, involved with others in the church, meet others in the church, have fellowship. That's what happened. Saul was certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. I think they had sweet fellowship uh, together. So what Ananias does here. He fulfills the Great Commission, his job as a discipler, splendidly. But wait, there's more. Clearly, Ananias didn't just teach Saul truth and involve him with others in the church. The Lord's vision for Saul and time spent with these believers in Damascus taught Saul to go to the lost and start trying to reach them for Jesus Christ. Saul, you have a responsibility. You've seen the vision, okay? But you have a responsibility to get out there like the rest of us and win people to the Lord. So is that really what they did? Well, let's look at the final point here, the disciples' commission. Verse 20, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. Who's that, Ananias? <laughs> no, Saul. He's What? Yeah, there's been a few discipleship sessions. He's with these believers. The next thing you know, he's preaching in the synagogue. And there's more. He preached that he is the Son of God. And all that heard him were amazed. You think? 
and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came thither or hither from, uh, for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength. All right, so physically, he's recovering from what happened. So physical strength, but then spiritually, the discipleship and the fellowship is growing him, strengthening him. Uh, he's, he's spending more time with the Lord in prayer, no doubt. He's being strengthened spiritually. And watch what happens. Brand new Christian. And confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus. They're confused. They're mystified. Do you hear what Saul is saying? But he's saying it from the Scriptures. How can we refute this? He's saying this from the Scriptures. How do we know that? Look at the last part of the verse. Proving that this is very Christ. He's the Messiah. By the way, I made a reference to knitting, ladies earlier in the message. Do you know what the word proving means? It means to knit together. So he took a little bit of thread from Isaiah and a little bit from Jeremiah and a little bit of thread from over here in the Old Testament and he wove it all together to show that Jesus is Messiah. And they could see the beautiful picture proving they were confounded. They were convinced. And who's doing the preaching in the synagogue? This guy that's just been saved a few days. Why? Well, because of good discipleship. That's it. Can I just be honest with you and share my heart this morning? There are going to be Christians at Good News Baptist Church that have been saved this long who pass some of you in their service and their knowledge of Scripture, some of you that have been saved this long. Why? Because Saul, who became Paul, shows us that with good discipleship and a, and a walk with the Lord and a heart to obey, you're going to keep growing. And there are other Christians that... I'm too busy for that right now. Or, here's, here's my list of excuses. And you're being held back when God could be using you in mighty ways too. You say, well, physically, Pastor, I, I just can't do what I used to do. Can you have, if you're a lady, another lady into your home, open the door, sit at your table, sip coffee together, and help them get grounded in the scripture. Can you do that? If you can get to the grocery store, you can do that. God can use us if we'll just let him use us. Let's conclude. If I had started today's message asking, who was the first great spiritual influence on Paul's life? Could you have answered the question? Some would say it was Barnabas. No, 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 not the first one. Could you answer the question? Now, Ananias 
really was an obscure figure in the early church. Uh, to be fair, I wouldn't expect you to be able to answer it, though we need to know our Bibles, right? But Ananias made a mighty difference. If I asked you who Edward Kimball was, could you tell me? Now, don't answer out loud. Anybody here tell me who? And don't look at Google. I'm watching. So, all right, all right, no. Who is Edward Kimball? Anybody know? All right. April 21st, 1855, Edward Kimball was sitting as a Sunday school teacher in a class. And right over here, he led a young lad to the Lord and began to disciple him. Who was the young lad? Well, you've heard of him. He became a mightily used evangelist, D.L. Moody. You've heard of him. But D.L. Moody had someone, as soon as he was saved, who discipled him, got him grounded, and set the course. By the way, that's why D.L. Moody became burdened for young urchins running all over the streets of Chicago, getting in trouble. And D.L. Moody grew the Sunday school to bring those kids in and win them to the Lord. And then it was after that that God called D.L. Moody into evangelism. I mean, that was the plan for his life. He just didn't know it. But he kept serving the Lord, and God used him. So God has a vision, a plan in place for every believer. He expects other believers to come alongside new Christians and disciple them to obey all that the Lord has commanded and to follow that plan. You don't have to know the plan. Just know God's got a plan, and you need to have a heart to follow it. The Lord intends for the new Christian to get into his harvest field with the truth of the gospel. And right discipleship is critical. So Christian, are you being obedient to your calling? This is the plan of the master regarding discipleship. I hope the Spirit of God has been allowed to convince us of that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life of Saul, the Apostle Paul. What a great day it will be when we get to stand in heaven and meet this servant of yours. Uh, Lord, we'll already feel like we know him if we know him through the eyes of Scripture. But Lord, I'm excited about one day meeting Ananias, who was so mightily used by you in Saul's life. God, we have no idea how you might use us. But we do know if we're willing to be used and to disciple others, that God, you can work mightily in lives in ways that we could never have imagined, though you already have a plan. So today, help us to surrender to that call. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. 
May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.